Etruscan addicts, drugs not yet synthesized, black marketeers of World War III, excisers of telepathic sensitivity, osteopaths of spirit, investigators of infractions denounced by bland paranoid chess players. What is going on, my freaks, geeks, and free thinkers? This is Mike Romanelli with the Free Thinker Society, episode number 45. I am in studio today with a great show. I got my main man, Clint Esposito, sitting in front of me. What's going on, Clint? Not much. Just uh, enjoying the cooler weather up here tonight, or today, so that's good. It feels great. And next to you, we have another co-host, another friend of the show. What's up? What's up? Mark Stevens. What's going on, Mark? Um, doing very well it's an honor to be here i think my eighth time guest co-hosting here and uh you know i had the honor of, of chaperoning our guest to this uh yeah. wonderful studio so it's also i mean we've done some in studio but we have we have an author we have a, a guy who is killing it out there uh was had an amazing episode of tinfoil hat without further ado sitting next to me is bruce de torres with, uh, with the amazing book, God, School, 9-11, and JFK, and we are so honored to have you in. What's up, Bruce? Um, thrilled to be here. Really, really happy. Uh, we're so happy to have you. Um, what's going on, guys? Everyone everyone good? Everyone comfortable? Yeah. Ready to rock and roll? Yeah, I, I, I got to say, I love Bruce's book. He sent it to me a couple months ago after he was on my show, and uh, <clears throat> maybe a month ago. And I want to clarify the subtitle, because I think that's the most important, and True, powerful true. the lies that are killing us and the truth that sets us free and where better to have that conversation than the free thinkers <laughs> society Boom. podcast that's true now i don't want to spoil too much of your books i know you have a ton of research and, and, and i don't want to give away with too much of the book but in this book are you going to tie in uh, all these topics will they tie in together yes 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 um, they're all true God, school, 9-11, JFK, they exist or they happen. And the book is uh, uh, an expose of the, the truth behind them versus the official stories. And uh, lots and lots of references, lots and lots of uh, resources where I pull things into. And to folks who are knowledgeable, they're finding a very, very great primer, they call it, to, to inaugurate a new that's eventually what it uh, serves a great function to bridge because my purpose, my goal, my desire, my passion, our hope is to wake up more and more and more people because we need more and more and more people to know the reality behind the scenes about these things, about how government functions, about the cliff we're heading to. It took great hope from this 9-11 document, something will happen when enough of us know. Yeah. I transform that into good things will happen when enough of us know. Awesome. Because I, I, I know you have that positivity message, and I love it. And uh, we hear there's too much of the, obviously a lot of this stuff is dark, right? A lot of stuff's heavy. Uh, brutal. Yeah. Disgusting, brutal. But I do have hope for humanity, and you're 100% right, Bruce. More people know. We all wake up, we're going to say stop. And I do think it could be that easy to stop this shit by us just saying stop. Uh, I might have said it a million times, guys. I know I've said it to you guys in private. I don't know why on air. 
one of my favorite memes um, is the checkerboard with all the bankers and everyone playing and all the people underneath it. And I think it's something to the effect of all we got to do is stand up, their game is over. And it really is that simple because um, I don't know if you go into detail into this book, but a lot of it's ritualistic, right? And along the research I've done is uh, a lot of times they have to tell you for something with their code, right? They have to tell you before. That's why there's so much predictive programming and artwork, right? So the more we understand, the more we know, the more we can kind of see. I know everyone's on this whole uh, thinking that the, the, the grid's going to go down next because while we think that, they just keep telling us about it constantly and running drills. So um, what do you think about all that stuff? I suspect that the threats, the pandemic, if the grid goes down, if more stuff gets hacked, they're telling us to be ready for that, and we should because... It's easy to imagine that so much truth was getting out there in 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, what was happening in Hong Kong, uh, the protests, I believe, in Paris, was it the Yellow Jacket phenomenon? Yeah, yeah right. So they are dismantling, dismantling us, bombarding us with this, because so many folks were waking up, so we can say, okay, this is the result of so much truth getting out there on the internet, this is the result of so much behind the scenes. You, we who have studied this stuff and are awake about this, be, at least I tell myself this, I gotta be ready every day for anything. Blow up Las Vegas, yeah. even on China. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, would we stop worrying about what's in the experimental gene therapy? Yeah. yeah. We stop worrying. Yeah, right, that's always the thing. And they have so much resources to be a breakaway society. One of the things that's such a bell ringer they couldn't account for 21 trillion dollars from 1997 to 2015. What did I do with 21? And nobody really says shit. Nobody. (laughs) It comes across on the mainstream like next. Yeah. So. You know, I think some of that's because who do you talk to, right? Like. What do you do? Rally every see, get everybody together and go to the Capitol. Like, what do you do? You know. (laughs) I I truly believe uh, revolution's a little different than uh, that type of stuff. Um, But I mean, that the serious question, like, how do you? Right, but once everybody has the information, you need to then enact something, right? To to make some kind of like like we'll take BLM. They got the awareness, and then there was nothing, no follow through with any laws getting changed. Anything they haven't even had a meeting with anybody, suggested anything. Like, who do you talk to? This is my. There, why aren't there channels for the people to then say like, we want this or we don't want that or whatever? just come out of my bunker from writing this book. (laughs) This might sound glib. Inform folks. Make the case. Encourage them to confirm it. Don't believe one author. Don't believe Mm -hmm. one book. Don't believe one podcast. Once you see the pattern, you're kind of concerned. Well, then what do I do, Bruce? What was right for you? I wrote a book. Uh Mike and Mark and Clint do podcasts. What's right for you? A dance? Yeah. A nifty poster? Do something. Yeah. Uh, a potluck with your friends and family to watch DVD that 
You know, yeah, and and it, it's it does seem like we're in a giant um, we're in an era of change, right? And when change occurs, the old guard's going to kick and scream and do a claw every trick possible. So shit's going to get bumpy. But I do really feel like a mass awakening has already happened and is going to keep happening. And um, you know, I always say I was in the conspiracy closet because I was researching conspiracies. Uh, very early on, and I didn't tell anybody. I had like a, three or four friends that we would talk about it in secret. I was so scared that you know people were gonna think I was crazy and all this all this stigma with this with the with the truth seeking, right? Um, and I didn't tell anybody. There was a very small group, but right around what I'd say the last four or five years, it's just out there, and so now it's like you know. So I kind of went. A little backwards in my research because I had to help some people that were new to it and explain to them certain things that that's completely a sigh up or whatever. Just people I look at a lot of people I love now are talking about these things before. Maybe they I don't know, but they I I didn't feel comfortable enough to talk about it to other people. I was just really worried people would think I was crazy that possibly maybe there's like reptilians that are, you know, and the other thing with me is I don't know everything. All I do know is patterns. I do see some patterns of things. And we do have enough uh, history to look back at and see patterns. And uh, for sure, we could see things that they don't want us looking at. That's always interesting, right? Like when someone keeps telling you, "Don't, you know, you're wrong," or "Let's let's flag this content when it's, uh, you know, that's always a, a red flag." Mm -hmm. um, but what do we do, Clint? I think we're doing it. I think we're doing it. I think this is. Uh, you got to remember, whoever's. I have. I'm not claiming I know who's in charge. I'm not claiming uh, whatever. But one thing I got to say is that. Whoever's whoever's pulling the strings, they're very patient. So we have to be patient too. So as long as we just keep, you know, what we're doing is what we're doing. We're we're having all these free thought conversations. I know, but at some point there needs to be some kind of something. No, I mean, how does that work? Are they just gonna go? You guys are right. We should stop. Like, I don't. I think. Listen, I don't have to remember. We have we have the numbers, right? It's us. We have yeah. way more people. They have a lot of money. But they've done a good job dividing us into uh, this guy's only worried about trans rights and this guy's only worried about Asian rights. And the imperative is only on you. You're listening to this right now. That's Not true. us in this room, That's but true. you, the person that found this podcast. True. The imperative is on you to change your life. 100%. And that's what I've been learning through all the connections I've made recently. And, you know, you mentioned... Before we started here, Dr. Shiva, but as a matter of fact, there's a reason you did, because now you're bringing to mind the solution of this. It's not Dr. Shiva himself. There's no saviors here, folks. No, no. But Dr. Shiva's message, which I think is absolutely pivotal, is like, we're living under a system that is corrupt. So in order to understand how to change our corrupt system, we need to understand system science and how systems function. Yeah. And that's part of what you can learn from Dr. Shiva with this Truth, Freedom, Health Warrior course. Not a salesman for him, but I am passionate about it, right? And I think that's one step because that's educational. Yes. You learn from Dr. Shiva, a guy who's had four MIT degrees, yeah. who left India you know, with the chance to have an education because he was so brilliant. Mm -hmm. you know, And then went back to India and saw his grandparents with no shoes on, yeah. living in squalor, and said, wow, what a piece of shit I would be if I didn't take this huge opportunity that I was given to get this amazing education that none of my family could have ever gotten. 
and I didn't do my best to make the world a better place. And I, when I heard Dr. Shiva say that much more eloquently and much more passionately, it touched my heart, touched many people's heart. And the reason why is because the true human imperative is to change yourself, it, man. and then the world follows. That's so we're it. all like, oh, That's it. I, that is it. I want this to happen. I want a better job. I want a better girlfriend. It's like, yeah, okay, you got shit to change in your life. And when you change those things in your life, whether it's, you know, your addiction or your compulsions or your, you know, abusive relationship, whatever your trauma is, when you start to clean your house up, mm. the world becomes a much brighter place. You that know? is I it, man. That's kind of where we can take the approach instead of feeling overwhelmed like oh man but all these people aren't awake and i'm the only one who knows no you're not you're you're listening to this podcast you the listener who found this podcast by yourself right now probably like i was when i first listened to the podcast and you know you're not alone just because it feels like you're alone you're listening to a podcast you're not there's thousands of people who listen to the same stuff and are trying to educate themselves as well and that's what's cool about the audio format is you can be productive while you learn. That's why absolutely, I, man. That's why I love it. Absolutely, people are definitely yeah, yeah, and 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 you're so right, man. Because that is the way you change the world. Just change yourself. That's that's it. Maybe it's the majority. We don't. Know. It could be. It really could be. I I I truly believe. As much as it's easy to get trapped into the whatever the mainstream is feeding you, like everyone's getting the vaccine. Well, if everyone's getting it, why are they giving away front Yankees tickets and lottery tickets and all that? They, they're giving away a lot of stuff. So you could be right. Maybe we are not. Uh, maybe, maybe we're awakening, awakening much faster. Um, Before the pandemic, Congress had an approval rating, I think, down to 19%. And before the pandemic, after 2012 or 2016, this, uh, a stat from that 25% of Americans identify as Republican, 25% as Democrat, 25% as Independent, and the rest just say, I don't take polls and surveys or whatever they say. Yeah. So when they, you know, it's a to, to comprehend maybe as what looks like apathy are folks who just intuitively just don't watch mainstream news anymore. Long ago, gave up thinking either political party or oh, president is going to do it. Like, like, no, it's just going to be more tyranny, and I don't have time to give another yeah. congressman another second of my precious life. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think also with this pandemic kind of blew up in everyone's faces that people realize how important local government is. People understand that now. But before, nobody gave a shit who your mayor was. No one gave a shit about And now people actually want to know, okay, who, who's representing us in our town? You know? So that's another way. The folks who were some of the loudest pushed back against the pandemic pandemic for the last year. Peggy Hall. What does she call herself? healthy American. She's just one who's imploring us. You have to go to the, the town council, you have to go to the school board, and you have to push back on all this stuff. It's totally Well, there you go. Now we're getting to the... Well, but that's what it is. You know, like, this is exactly what I was saying. You know, do you storm the Capitol? No, that's not a good idea. Well, so you, so you go to, you go to meetings... I mean, but in my head, I'm like, I don't know, where's the, you know what I mean? Where's your starting point? But yeah, if you push everybody at the local level, 
I mean, I still do have an issue with all those people sitting wherever they're sitting, not talking to anybody directly, you know what I mean? Doing whatever they want. And uh, yeah, exactly. And it's like hard to influence them that a lot of us don't agree with whatever. Like every, anytime these bills come up, I think it's really you're like we like have an influence on it, like peripheral right you vote this person in and then go oh for the next four years please vote the way i would like you to vote you know which is very unlikely so like you only have really why don't we have more say on every vote you're like every like bill you know that comes out like it's silly yeah. well, there are folks since the, you know uh, i look at america a lot and i see a real three-act structure which is classic story structure, that's act one, act two, and act three. And I've been persuaded for a long time that Kennedy's assassination was the plot point, the climax of the story, and you're just running out to the end now. Yeah. You know, um, when was, you know, so Congress's approval of it. Just, you, you, you brought up, you know, Congress in Washington, Columbia, it just makes me boil. Me too, that's so... <laughs> So far from working for us or working for the Constitution. Yeah. So you think? Uh, well, I definitely agree with you too. That, that JFK was the was the peak or the was the maybe that the started this uh, the end. I mean, where would nine eleven then fall? Nine eleven is like just like a kick in the ball. The guys kick. are down. Yeah, yeah. Just, kick him in the ball. just another extra. Yeah. His teeth out. Yeah. You think uh, so? Like basically, there was still a there was still a chance by the, leading up to JFK to maybe kind of. I mean, obviously, there's always a chance, but like, right the ship and then kind of, you know, he got taken out, and they were like, well, easy sailing now. <laughs> By his character, his greatness, that he knew he was up against forces that killed to win, and stood up for us in the Constitution to be a real president. Yeah. He wasn't an idiot. I'm sure he believed the Secret Service reports. You're safe in Tampa on Monday, November 18th. There was a threat, but they cleared it out. So he rode an open motorcade on that Monday, and he even stood up through some of the risk. And he also got the all clear. Friday, even though they knew there were plots swirling around him that month. Okay? Eyes wide open. Um, very unique situation. Yeah. To read his speeches or hear any of his press conferences, especially his speeches at the UN, 61 and 63, he talks about we've got the power to make this the greatest generation of mankind where it will last. And he went on and on saying with the relevance in science, the way the economy was booming under his policies, we've got the potential to eradicate disease and feed the planet. If folks knew that only 60 years ago, which is really not the older you get, yeah. The, yeah. the closer that is, it's really not that long ago, we were on the verge of being that great. We, you know, we did have a chance, or maybe not, because every president to some degree before him and since, is corrupted and controlled or blackmailed or part of the team that's doing the nefarious stuff for big business or for the empire. Yeah. But because he was the son of a very rich man, he was completely independent. And he's worth studying. To use his memory for all it's worth, 
is to attain for the same greatness, which is the classic American credo, give me liberty or give me death. If I have to stand up yeah. my own freedom or take a bullet, whose job is it to take the bullet for me? It's mine. Whose job is it to model for my kids? That kind of verb. I, I could go on and on. No, keep going. This is great. I love it. Well, that, that's what it became for me to discover JFK, because I set out to write a book about consciousness and the, the mystical, magicalness of reality. That's that oh, really? the original idea. That was it. Really? Yeah, an idea about energy. Nice. Um, spoiler, here it comes, because you're going to read it, but I love telling it anyway. <laughs> um, I... I, I uh, was in complete despair in my 30s because I started paying attention and caring about people in real life the way I learned how to pay attention to them on stage. Mm -hmm. if someone's worth listening to or paying attention to, right? Yeah. And I realized, oh my God, I'm an a-hole. And I had to do, I did a ton of soul searching and I just started realizing no matter how I look at why I have these habits of being a jerk or being glib or being competitive or putting people down or feeling a little better, who knows why? And a friend gave me Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Everything's made out of energy. Great. Thoughts become things. Great. Great. Look, he's got it. <laughs> of, course, of course, Mark. Has Is it. it your first time reading it? I bought it a week ago and I had no idea that you were even going to mention it. That's crazy. <laughs> there they are, folks. There they are. Synchronicity in the moment. Okay. Unbelievable. So if anyone's listening, Mark just pulled out the book from his backpack. Yeah, thank you for my magic bag. Amazing. That is nothing. It, it's a mystical, magical book. It is. It is. The 18th, you know, his book, whatever, whatever. So anyway, okay. So I read that book. And, all right, everything's made out of energy. We all kind of know that. Thoughts become things. Well, wouldn't that be nice? Okay, so what, why do thoughts become things because they're made out of energy? Well, what's energy? Well, maybe it burst into existence 14 billion years ago. Good old Big Bang Theory. Okay, if it did that, why did it do that? Because it wanted to? Is it, was it the intention to exist? And is that why we ask a question and the answers just come? You know? Why does my life suck? You can do 10 years finding answers for that. Why is my life great? You can, whatever you ask, we magnetize and we attract because everything has the intention to exist. All the reasons why you had the best parents in the world. They're made of energy, they have the intention to exist, they'll come to you if you keep asking that question. Why did you have the worst parents in the world? All those reasons exist, they will come to you if you keep asking that question. So, that, oh boy, I'm, I'm lit! The, uh, the idea was that energy, everything has the intention and has the ability to exist. I just wanted to write a book about that. 9-11 yeah. happened, three years later someone said, you gotta look at that, it's, it's not the official story. And for 10 years, I went into that and the Federal Reserve and John F. Kennedy. And it wasn't until 2014 that I decided to put it together. And all these real-world problems are solved by the tr their truth, the truth of their events, and also the truth of our nature. There's only one of us here. This is, like Bill Hicks said, it's just a ride. Like all the mystics say, it's an illusion. Like George Harrison said, well, whether you're successful or not, what does it matter in a realm where everything's an illusion? Pete, he was talking to Pete Townsend. Yeah. Okay. So that's how I made that book. So we are, it's our identity, our true nature. It's, it's the, the mystical, magical one. So even the dogs are great. Even though we're, we've got dogs in the studio. We got the windows open. I'm sorry, guys. Let's be careful. But um, 
Wow, you said something about the Federal Reserve. I need, did you know about the Federal Reserve prior to the research? No. Did, that's that's an easy one, right? To red pill someone. So someone's very business-minded. I always say, I just had it with uh, uh, someone that works at the, because some of the comics here think I'm completely nuts. But we don't really get into that stuff. If they want to mess with me, it's fun. Uh, but for the most part, I don't push what I, you know. And uh, one of them said something about, well, the money is backed by gold. They go, no, it's not. And he goes, yes. Goes, they still believe that. I go, I go, do me a favor. I go, five minutes, just just research Federal Reserve on your phone and come back. And he, he was like, had his head. He was like, uh, I might have just red killed someone. But that's that's one, right? That's an easy one. So if someone that's like very business minded or all about, and you tell them that, and they're like, they'll always fight you. And you, when you ha you know that one. That's true. one. You're like, a friend was pitching his uh, company's uh, financial services that are contrast to mainstream financial services. So we gave a PowerPoint or a video to a room of 20 of us where they taught the reality of the Federal Reserve. So at the end, I asked this follow-up question, I asked that follow-up question, he said, yeah, yeah. I stood up and I said, you mean there's really a dragon to slay? There's really a dragon to slay? And then you find the creature from Jekyll Island, and you find America, freedom to fascism, about the internal revenue, and you find it all. You can't, you can't believe it. I'm so outraged, and this part of me is because I used to be an actor. You know, you pay to come see me in a play. I'm going to spend two hours acting out a lie. <laughs> so you, but I'm honest. You know, I'm not really stabbing him. You know, with right? Yeah. But these efforts who are supposed to work with us and protect the cleanliness of our food and the health of our children. Yeah. Holy yeah. Horribly. That's something that I. I mean, I think we agree with you probably on so far everything you said, but that food thing is a huge one with me and the medical system and all that stuff is like uh, food, at least either the FDA is complete, like, uh, I can't think of the word. I don't just want to call them idiots, but like, just don't actually research anything or they're complicit. There's the only one or the other because I mean there's so much shit in our food that you either haven't paid attention at all or you're okaying this, yeah. you know. Uh, and the health system, as I you asked earlier, we had the conversation. So I've been through the health care system quite a few times, and especially over the last like ten years, the decline of it has been ridiculous and you can tell when you go into the hospitals that they're just hustling you for x-rays and i literally had you'll like this one in one hospital i stayed there i got um surgery i, I stayed there eight hours and i'm like i'm going home and she literally the manager of the hospital comes in and goes can you stay at least you know the another day or something like that and i go what are you talking about like i'm trying to get out of here and she goes well if you don't stay at least 12 hours or whatever it was then uh, the insurance will like barely pay us. Good for her. Yes, yes. Good for you to do that. And then I left. I should have. <laughs> I know, but I'm like, holy fuck! Like, uh, what? <laughs> oh man! Yeah, medical error is the third leading cause of death. Yeah. In America. Yeah. Right. Years before the pandemic, probably as much now. <clears throat> Clint, I didn't bring you a copy of my book. That's fine. Because that's in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
So um, I had a couple of people that listened to the podcast in New York coming on. They wanted me to ask you about uh, the school systems. So do you get into school system? Because that's another thing, Clint and I, but where you just... I actually just got into a rabbit hole this morning about the school system. Two of us have, like, in the early days of this podcast, a lot of times it would just be us having conversations, and we would always get to the conclusion of, like, uh, well, you said it once. It's just indoctrination. We were talking about how some guys with these... You know, these degrees and stuff kind of shit on us for us being these two stupid guys. One's a chef, one's an ex-moto guy. Like, what do you... But meanwhile, we know we have more knowledge than some of these guys, but they just have stuff on the wall. And he was like, it's just indoctrination. There's an, and we're like, why do they think this way? Why are, why are they not free thinkers yet? They have all these degrees. Uh, not, and I'm not saying everyone. But just- no, it was, we were talking about... Uh- Maybe the vaccines or something, and you said why are or masks, and you're like, why are so many people getting it or wearing the masks that are educated? And I was like, because education is just being given instruction; it's not actually intelligence. And somebody that just you know like holds all that uh, information and then just regurgitates it exactly how it was given to them, which actually my this is a new theory I just come up with. AI is here. It's already running the world. It's all these fucking people that were taught in their schools, and they just... That's all information they never would have had. It's all artificially given to them by somebody in a structure, and now their entire life is lived by this gospel, and this is how it is. Think about the nutritionalists and people in the food industry. And teaching them that um, bread was the num- the foundation of everybody's diet. What caveman had bread? Explain that to me. Like so, and this, and that. You still have people today that will argue with you vehemently that yeah, because that's what they were taught, and that's it. You know. You need to steal my book from. You will definitely. Do you love freedom? Do you love being clean? Then you'll love Hero Soap Company, made in the USA, chemical and fragrance free. A portion of each purchase donated to veteran and first responder charities. Initial subscription purchase is matched bar for bar and sent overseas to deploy troops. Let freedom clean. Hero Soap Company. Charlotte Thompson Iserbeet I S E R B Y T. I think her parents, her father, uncle was in Skull and Bones anyway. She did Pete Diamond's education since the 1960s, documenting how the Rockefellers and the Carnegies and what they did when they took over education at the turn of the 20th century and then ended the accelerated mushification of. 60s because you had Americans who had classes in civics and who were literate and could read up until the 1950s. Mm-hmm. So when that young generation realized the lies of the war in Vietnam, look at the trouble they caused. So wow, they just transformed education, <clears throat> operant conditioning, training us like animals and dogs, and also what I call moral equivalence. So we, there is no right or it's just your opinion, you know, whether I do this or whether I do that. So now we're all completely crippled, insecure, self-conscious, because if you don't know right or wrong, up or down, good or bad, or good or evil, what do you do? You follow the crowd, you 
call them hack. But I call school a crime against humanity, and I call what it does the children absolutely inhumane. Bottom line, by nature, what the children do, they crawl all over the adults that they love, and they experiment, and they make games, and they throw things. But as they get older, they, they want to help. On the farm, we would help fathers and uncles and cousins and girls would help the mothers with the clothing and the cooking. It was, that was the, the basic delineation, unless you had a predilection and then maybe the Tom girl was out there in the yeah. field and maybe this son was helping with the cook, with the cooking. It doesn't, that's not the point. Yeah, yeah. The point is we fall in love with life by handling it. You can't keep a bird in a cage until it's full grown adult age and expect it to fly. And here's my favorite idea. If it takes 10,000 hours to master something, right? That's a meme, that's a yeah. verbal meme that's been going around for, for quite a number of years now. Does it take 10,000 conversations to develop a mind for me to learn how to pause, check in with you, and see how are you receiving me? Shall I keep talking? Yes, don't answer that. And also, does it take a human do we have, like, if birds fly to survive, I think humans make decisions to survive. Yeah, absolutely. So if you keep kids from making important decisions until they graduate, that's why they get this freshman year in college and have nervous breakdowns and eat comfort rooms with puppies stuffed and real, because you, how, how do I know what major to choose? How do I know yeah. which plan to pick? How do I know if I want the third or the second floor in the dorm? Or if you, so if you stop us from making decisions, trust our judgment, we don't trust ourselves, we don't trust each other, and it psychologically makes us beg, yes, I want rules for everything because yeah. I don't know what's right or wrong. And I want to know that you're all, I know. I only know if I'm safe if I know everyone's following the rules. So yeah, I want cameras all over the place, and I want cops all over the place. So it's a cluster bomb of inhuman barbarity. I would also uh, lump the whole um, participation trophies in with that. Because if you never learn to deal with losing and being like upset about that, and then you get into the real world and guess what? Shit happens. And now you're totally unequipped to deal with strife, you know, at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's disabling everybody and like you said everything is uh they can just i'm just a male today and then tomorrow i'm whatever and now i'm offended that you didn't know that today i'm they you know like how the what everybody's dressing the same now we can't tell if we see when we see eight-year-olds talking to each other like that we can see the obvious power play that was irresistible to this one to say oh no no Today I'm an it. I'm very offended you're not calling me it. Yeah. You just want to bonk heads together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of that crap was also manufactured. That's what I'm saying. It, and, and that's why they are pushing us in that direction. For young kids to, to say that outlandish stuff, like, oh, I would feel this way or that way. But no, like, I don't know. It just, I really wish we would leave children alone. And imagine what society would be like if we didn't have this type of educational system, how advanced we really would be. But I think all that stuff is changing. I really do. I think we need to have time. Uh, give it some time. But, but it's like he said, it's a bombardment from everything. If your school is like that, then the food too. 
I uh, had a conversation with Bethany, and she was like, because we look and she was a nutritionist. Uh, that's what she went for. Uh, that's what she went to school for. She doesn't do it now because she was at a hospital and was trying to change people's diets, and they said, "No, you can't do that." And she's going, she's going. What do you, why are you feeding them that? They need this. And they told her, no, just give them whatever they want. And she left. She goes, I'm not helping anybody. This doesn't, there's no reason for me to be here. So we've had the conversations and, um, you know, all, all the, uh, pesticides and everything disrupting everybody's, uh, hormones. Well, let's circle around and think if you're not getting the correct amount of hormones that you should be getting to develop, is it not any wonder why, People aren't feeling, you know, like I don't feel like right or this way or that way because they're not even getting the hormones that they should be getting. Also, in the meat and stuff, they're getting too much right. testosterone and things like that. Right, right. So some girl that's not producing enough estrogen, then eating stuff with testosterone in it, like is obviously going to feel a certain way, you know? We The overlooking of the food, dude, drives me nuts. So you're telling me somebody sprays Roundup a couple times a year. They got cancer from that, but not the glyphosate and all the foods that they're eating and all the chemicals and the food dyes and all that. None of that has anything to do with anything. It was because they sprayed Roundup in the yard several times a year. Yeah. That came up that we didn't have when we were, like, at least when I was younger. That's why I also feel blessed to be in the generation I'm in because I get to see a little bit of everything. Yeah. You know, I got to see pre like I remember what a supermarket was in the '80s, and it's totally different than what a supermarket is right now. Yeah. And we were talking about bread before we were on air, right? I mean, there are some. When I had a hamburger place, I uh, we were selling. You know, I had to go to a packaged bread. This is like years ago, not not here, guys, but years ago. Um, and I had a I had a package of buns uh, from this place. I left it um, at our beach house in like in in uh, the beginning of summer, like June. September came, I was cleaning out the house, the package of buns was still perfect. Perfect. Spongy, perfect. That's impossible. Anyone knows anything? Yeah. A good, a good piece of bread is, is pretty much... Rock hard <laughs> next day. <laughs> right, but yeah, two days, it is done. This thing was spongy and perfect. That's not normal. We're putting that in our bodies. So that's just... Imagine everything else out there. Right? Well, it's just like even the... I would point probably, like you said, autoimmune disease basically causing all this stuff but cancer like the cancer research has we spent billions and billions of dollars for cancer research nobody's ever looked at the food nobody once in all this time has been like hey maybe these people ingesting all this poison constantly is giving them a really good uh scenario to grow cancer like no one ever thought that say you know i jumped in you know, just stepped out but hopefully i'm not repeating anything that was just said but glyphosate obviously mm -hmm. sprayed on a lot of crops you know i worked at a bakery for a number of years got to know the whole process really well and one of the things i learned about artisan bread is how different it is than commercial bread right yeah. because of the speed the industrialization of the growth they take this wheat, they spray it full of chemicals, and then instead of processing it the natural way through the fermentation process with a sourdough or some kind of active culture, they use the commercialized yeast instant, doesn't break down any of the gluten, and then you wonder why everyone has a gluten allergy all of a sudden. And it's not because gluten is bad. It's because our bodies are taking on so much of this thing that they're not used to being able to process on yes. top of the glyphosate. 
Yes. And of course, you know, oh, it's the gluten, it's not the glyphosate, but really, it's both. And, you know? to, and to play devil's advocate, this can also be, it doesn't have to be a master plan conspiracy to turn everyone to think they're, you know, Well, it's to, about to turning a profit. Trans, now trans and all that, exactly. For, it first comes down to profit, now all this extra added bonus, maybe they're selling up, up at the top, it's like, break, now we have all this extra stuff. Or they figured out this is doing this, and let's just exploit another thing. Mm. So if you just keep going on. Well, the more... But, I'm sorry. The more things get commercialized, industrialized, separated from the communal aspect. I mean, bread used to be something that was made in a day and eaten in a day. Yes. In the community, you know, and shared. So there wasn't waste. Yeah. So I think there's plenty of ways people can still have all of the things we love, like bread. Just doing it the organic way, the natural absolutely. way. Oh, absolutely. Right? That, re that reflects an understanding of what we are as social animals, big picture stuff and a very very big picture attack on us being able to bond together face to face as families or as neighborhoods or as communities and you add cell phones to that and you add the curation with the AI and the search and the check of what we click and we're in these complete very individual silos you know mental and literal in terms of what we're experiencing online yeah. and we're, we're just alienated from each other now all that all that doom and gloom. Yeah, let's get this. There are there are tons of folks who've been looking at this stuff for a long, long time who hope and make the case that because the systems are evil and they're corrupt and they can't even trust each other, there's all that backstabbery mm -hmm. that goes on between you know the, the, the fiends you know <laughs> at the top that life and and goodness will always conquer. We don't know what has to collapse. I you know if Washington is so corrupt that it collapses collapses, I think there's a great chance that there'll be enough folks who are still holding the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and say, no, the form works. Yes. It's just the corruption that you, you know, you, that has to burn out or it has to be, yeah. of course, it's mm -hmm. got to collapse because it's rotten. So, uh, you know, and maybe a lot of the folks who are not watching the mainstream and not listening to podcasts and not reading books, you know, are hugging and rocking their kids today. And, walks outside with their dogs and still just loving life, which is reality, that's reality. Yeah, and I I, I truly feel it is, that's, that's it's coming back, I really do. I think uh, even with the younger kids, younger generations, they're kind of coming full circle. I see with comedy, they're not as offended, they're the opposite, they're not offended, they love the offensive stuff, like, they're not the younger ones. Um, and I see with a lot of things, it's like a pushback, like, no, we don't want all this crap. Um, and I, I am very hopeful for humanity. I, like I said, I think it's going to be a little bumpy before mm -hmm. we get there. But uh, I had a question for you. So you said you started the book about, it was about energy, mm -hmm. frequency, energy, all that stuff, which is great. Mm -hmm. um, what what was the shift that went from energy to all of a sudden all this conspiratorial and... It, it, was, it wasn't linear because I wanted to write about consciousness and reality and energy and all that new agey lovey-dovey yeah. stuff and it's in there and after a number of years and i didn't want to re repeat what's in other books or what other folks are saying mm -hmm. so i had i had i had boiled it down to about 40 pages and then around 2004 i was advised to look into 9-11 so i started looking into reality of how the world works and these so-called conspiracy things without a thought that i'm writing a book i just was obsessed about it Okay. And I developed all that material, and then it was only in 2014 that I decided to put them together. Okay. I saw, I saw, oh, uh, 
my ideas about energy or our reality and our true identity suddenly were very useful as a solution to give some kind of hope in the face of uh, the dire uh, five senses uh, factors we face. Wow, wow. You, the, the only, the, the person who has been a rock giving me hope and saying things like, I'm very hopeful for the future, I don't know why, is a 71-year-old man, the fellow who published my book. His name is Chris Milligan. He's been publishing books for about 20 years. Uh, he has Trinday.com. What did you say? Trinday. T-R-I-N-E-D-A-Y. And that's Chris with a K, K-R-I-S. Yeah. And we, I help him do a podcast every week. I introduce folks, I said, listen, he interviews a lot of his authors. And, nice. And we've been doing one week since August. So if you go to tryanday.com, quit podcast, find the episodes. Holy smokes. These, like, Dan, who's he published? Daniel Estelin wrote about the Bilderberg. Big guests. Um, Big guests. Yeah, and, so, and you also are a part of this podcast? This is your podcast as well? Yeah, I help him with it. Guys, we can link this in the in the description. Awesome! That'd be I would, great. Yeah, I would yeah. love to listen. Uh, so it's it's encyclopedic. Um, William Madsen Law writes about the Kennedy autopsy. Awesome. I was going to add that Chris and Bruce do a great job of a setting the conversation up and then allowing the author to kind of give you a concise idea of their expertise in thirty minutes. Each episode's thirty minutes. Oh wow! And Chris, like you said, mm. is a little older. I think that's that's it. But I want to tell his story because his perspective, really, yeah, yeah, his perspective really has been a great uh, orientation for me. When he was 20, in 1969, he was just a hippie who ran a record store and already had a, a woman, I'm going to say wife, and a child. And his father sits him down and says, he used to work for the CIA. The Vietnam Wars, uh, all about drugs. The goal is to opiate your whole generation. They're playing out a loose scenario. It's all a sham. These secret societies are behind it all. And communism's all a sham. It's all a big game. Christian, what the hell are you talking about? So he told some friends through the years, and they said, you're a conspiracy theorist. And Chris said, hmm. what? what's that? So Chris started studying that in the 1970s. Hmm. And he found a book on skull and bones. And he, Republished or Anthony Sutton, Anthony Sutton's book, America's Secret Establishment. So, Chris did a deep dive into all this stuff behind the scenes. So his wow. his take is he's got a lot of hope. The secret societies are not as powerful as they used to be. There's so much truth out there, and he credits the internet and the personal computer that allow guys like us to do what we're doing right now. There's yeah. a lot of stuff out there. So. Yeah, that's the... Jeff that's Dyer, the, too, another author that's published. Very wild. See, that's yeah. so cool, man. This is, like, right up my alley, and um, I, I would love to ask Chris. Um, so he was right in the middle of the hippie culture, right, yeah. counterculture in that time period. Yeah. I love that that that, mm. that era of the Grateful Dead. It's my favorite band. However, now I realize that yeah, I see what... I still love their music. Yeah. Rocking out on the way here. Yeah. Blasted. But I see what... I, I know a lot about what that was meant to do, and it was. He kind of Chris published a book. By, talking about he published a book by John Potter. Uh, 
Okay. They rudely interrupt you, Mike, and walk right into your mouth Go ahead. with your sentence. Go ahead. <laughs> you want to publish a book called, uh, from, uh, by John Pogash called Drugs as Weapons Against Us, and it talks about how nefarious power uh, got drugs into the, into the minds and the veins of superstars who wanted to help make drugs look cool I love that to, topic. The, to the young generation. So. All of his books, you'd love all his books. I love that topic, and it's yeah, so yeah. it's so obvious when you look back and you see um, the hippie era and like how they, the the hippies were changing the world, and then all of a sudden it got all about drugs. They kind of kept them in a loop, right? And then you you see the the grunge scene and the heroin, the coolness, and then you see the hip hop scene where they even kick it up a notch and forget about drugs. We're going to talk about selling drugs. We're going to talk about killing people. We're going to make all of that cool. We're going to make gangster culture cool too. And in John Potash's book, I believe he recounts how Tupac was like, like assassinated because he was working with the gangs to get out of drugs. He started flipping that. Yeah, he called his Kurt Cobain was yep. likely yep. murdered and most likely, uh, yep. I think he makes the case that it was Cobain. It's very, I mean, deep that look into that, it's, there's a lot of weird John stuff. Lennon and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, right. And John Lennon, um, you know, just killed by a madman or whatever. And he was really, I had the power to really turn people on to all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, I know Michael Jackson's a very, very, yeah. it's a, it's one that people get weird about because of all that, the pedophilia talk. But there's also a lot of talk that he was uh, really trying, that he saw so much and was trying, you know, who knows? You know, I don't know, but who knows? And then there's also talk about, um, what's the other guy? Um, just like my mind. Another giant. Prince? Prince. Prince was uh, changed his name. Thank you. Clearly, <laughs> pulled it right out of my head. Yes, Prince. Um, I always, I always argue like that guy was so wealthy that he had a compound, and 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 they say he died from bad pills. Come on, if he was that wealthy, you couldn't know what type of pills he was taking. That's a little suspect. But they also, when you when you learn about him, that he was so. I mean, there's some interviews. I don't know if you ever heard any of these interviews. I'm talking about spraying. He talked about spraying the ghetto. That planes overhead. Yeah, there's some interviews with him talking about um, that helicopters spray the ghetto and demasculize men, and they're experimenting on us. And uh, that whole thing where he changed his name to the symbol was he was a big fu. He didn't want to be a slave to label anymore. Uh, it was just a little way he figured it out. So yeah, there's a lot of uh, coincidence and a lot of um, a lot of things about music, and that's such an interesting topic. Uh, I would love to, to talk to Chris. He lived it, so that's amazing. He did, and you, when we were talking about 9-11 before, you said, you know, it was a ritual. Yeah. Well, I, I've got to tell you about a couple of books that Chris has published uh, by S.K. Bain. The most dangerous book in the world, 9-11 as mass ritual. And he lined up the numbers, like the numbers of the flights, and chart the numbers that Alistair Crowley wrote most prominently about it as well book, so it just exposes 9-11 and a bunch of other events as literally mass rituals that we're involved with. Right? We're involved with it's meant to traumatize us and just break our minds and accept whatever authority wants to do to protect us. Yes. Also let them feed on fear. Also yeah. let them let them commemorate their new undertaking like the war on terror by having the whole world Watch three thousand people die. Watch it right because there. all cameras were on the towers after the first plane hit, mm -hmm. so we all got to see yeah. the second plane come in, and then less than an hour later we got to start seeing a slaughter 
We all participated in a Luciferian ritual. And the two towers turning into the one is very ritualistic, right? You take the, not the two, and then it turns the one world And the towers as a symbol going back into ancient history. Yes. And there's a lot yeah, of folks who look at this. Lots. Yeah, and, you know, and that was on Rockefeller land. It's like the United Nations was built on Rockefeller land. So were those buildings built in 1966, completed in 73, I think, in order to commemorate, in order to have, to, in order to be taken down? He's also written a book, with Seth K. Bain. The yeah. end. Uh, 2021, the end is only the beginning. And he talks about, this is, the, this is the trip. This is what? What was the book written? Your two. Okay, all right. So I was scared that it was case. like in the 70s. I'm like, making, oh, no, it's not. He's making the case that 2021 is the transition year between a 26,000-year cycle mm -hmm. of the procession. And he shows how these awful people at the top follow this belief system. And in the past, for certain astronomical events, they've done rituals often around April 19th, whether it's Waco or Oklahoma City. And this 26,000-year event, we have to hold on tight because you know, oh, sure. the odds are blah, 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 blah. Now, I don't sell fear, uh, but I just write I'm scared the incredible book books. <laughs> uh, but these all sound amazing. I, I love it. Um, what yeah, other? That's all. Was, that's, that's esoteric stuff. Go yes. Ahead. No. Uh, was would you say JFK was a ritual? Yes. The Chris the himself has called it. It's the killing of the king, broad daylight, twelve thirty. Everyone watched that, right? Everyone watched it. Same function: traumatize the nation, infantile us, make us scare his kids again. Also, you steal the power of the king. You execute broad daylight. Coincidentally, the way the roads are shaped in Dealey Plaza, it's basically a pyramid. And there's a body of water, there's a pond on each side of an Egyptian obelisk in Dewey Plaza, so the symbology surrounds that. Chris said that the Kennedy assassination was planned before he even became president. Were they going to kill any president that, that came in right there? Yeah, right. Was he? So this is the esoteric stuff that made this fascinating for so many years to just keep reading and reading and reading and reading. And reading. What I organized in the book was the case with the facts, with the evidence, that could at least cause an honest judge to say, yeah, we got to arrest these suckers and we got to do a real investigation. I want to lead people into the facts that expose the lies of these events. Whether it gets into the esoteric stuff, that's for all of us to read and make up our own mind. David Icke's work, Michael Cesarian's work, all that work, like, we can, that's for the weekend. Like, is, yeah. it, is it aliens? Is it interdimensional? Is it, is it reptilians? Yeah. Well, let's all knock ourselves out, but let's take to court and let's convince our moms and our dads and the family who thinks we're crazy with just kind of facts that we can. Yeah. Well, we are getting close to the end, so is there, let's, let's try to flip it, because I feel like you're positive. What kind of positive message do you have? What did you, what did you have? What have you got in your research? Like, you have a beautiful message. I are on zero as well. Thanks. So. Well, thanks. My, it's like what Mark was talking about before, about... Uh, taking responsibility for our own happiness, our own thoughts, and our own feelings, and our own intentions. And I will steer people to, uh, I tend to do this in every talk because it's lovely. A YouTube channel called Anthony Cheen Production, C-H-E-N-E, Anthony Cheen Production. 
interviews with folks who had near-death experiences. They were dead three minutes, they were dead 17 minutes, and they come back and talk about if that stuff is real, I'm persuaded, or at least it gives me joy and power to imagine that it's real. And those are the only kind of thoughts I'm really looking for. It doesn't have to be true. It just has to give me power, make me a loving guy, make me love being me, to develop our spiritual imagination. That's the point. To, to, to read the mystics, read my book, read whatever it takes to develop a spiritual imagination to realize we are eternal, we're always okay, we've always been okay, we're always going to be okay. And with a little luck, all that stuff is true. This is really a game, an illusion, a ride we're taking, and the moment of death is just a transition into like, oh, oh, that's what we were doing. Oh, boy, were we ballsy to do that, because part of the deal of being here is you got to forget that you intentionally agreed to come here. That you and I agreed before we were born, Clint, that we were going to wait until June 23rd, 2021, before we met. And now, woohoo, you know, that kind of stuff. You got something better to do? Watch TV? No, or read and write and journal and create stuff about this yeah. kind of stuff. Yes. Well, that is unbelievable. That, that was awesome. Bruce, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. I got to end on a high note. That was amazing. Clint, you have some big shows. Uh, can you. Tell some of our listeners where some of your big shows are going to be. Well, they're all going to be at the dojo. but uh, So I have two live stream comedy shows. So that's basically um, we shoot a bunch of skits and videos prior to. Then we have, uh, we have a TV in the room. We play the skits. Um, and then we also have regular stand-up as well. Um, so you can either watch that at home uh, on livestreamcomedy.com. Or you can come here to the dojo and actually watch them in person. The first one is uh, July 10th, and the second one is August 7th. I'm basically going the beginning of the months on those. Then I have two Cobra comedy shows. Uh, one is August or no, uh, June 31st, and the second one is August 21st. So uh, no, July, sorry, July, uh, whatever, 31st and August 21st. Um, but you can get all those tickets on uh, livestreamcomedy.com or you can get them at tipscomedy.com. And also, guys, if, when this comes out, um, you'll only have a couple of days, but anybody listening and you are in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area, do not miss this. This is a special once-in-a-lifetime event, June 30th at the Dojo of Comedy on the patio. We have Rich Boss, the legend Rich Boss's birthday party. He has like five guests coming um, that I'm not even, I know one or two of them. He won't even tell me all of them. Um, we're keeping it quiet. It's going to be, like I said, a once in a lifetime event. So if this goes out uh, and there are still some tickets left, please, you guys should come. I want to, I want you all to witness this is amazing. Uh, Mark, podcast. Where can we find you? Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll be there. No, where can we find you? Your podcast. Well, I know. But you'll find me at Rich Boss's party. First. Well, if you want to hang out with Mark, you can't wait that long. Please listen to My Family Thinks I'm Crazy. It's a wonderful podcast that's evolving more and more. And I have a very, very special new podcast that exists only on my Patreon. So if you go to MyFamilyThinksI'mCrazy.com, you can find that and learn a little bit of about the synchronicity that brought Bruce and I together and all the other synchronicities that have happened and unraveled in my life. And Bruce, I mean, you're such an inspiration for a lot of what I've been talking about lately. And I'm really glad to be in your book because it does tie into a lot of what I've been talking about.
on. So if that's your thing, check us out at My Family Thinks I'm Crazy. It was really an honor to have you, Bruce. Thank you so much. It really was such an honor to have you in the studio. You're welcome back anytime. Um, guys, everybody listening to this, thank you so much. We love you guys. Uh, Swarm, Psychedelic Swarm, we love you. Uh, see you guys soon. Thank you.